Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to catch up and chat with amazing humans. For this episode, I'm so happy to introduce Louise Pye to the conversation. Welcome, Louise. From this point onwards, I'm going to refer to you as Lou. I know that's okay. That's acceptable for you. We did check before. Um, as I always do in these introductions, just a very brief introduction from me. Uh, Lou and I have known each other for, gosh, I can't even think how many years now, but we know each other through family connections and mutual friends. Um, and Lucy is somebody who is just an amazing human. You're going to hear that as she does her own introduction, talks about the things that she's been through and just really inspires us through this conversation, this thought of mental health. So Lou, welcome. Please do a proper introduction to yourself. Tell everybody who you you are and what you're up to okay um hi um so yeah i've known matt a number of years through friends of friends and um social media and and as such as we all are connected these days yep. um so yeah i'm first and foremost a mum i work part-time um and i talk a lot about mental health on my facebook page um I like to write. I think everyone who's watching this and knows me loves that I, you know, knows I love to write and it's it's my way of expressing how I'm feeling. Um, and I get a lot of good feedback from that, from other people. And I, I talk a lot about mental health because it's obviously affected me. Um, maybe what I don't talk about very much is my own journey, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I'm alone in this when we talk about mental health, but we don't really like to talk. And I know I don't like to talk about myself because I find I don't want to show my weakness um, and how it might be perceived as a weakness. And I've mentioned this on my Facebook musings quite a lot that it can be perceived as being um, a victim. Mm -hmm. And I find that quite hard to comprehend that people might look at me differently if they know what what I've been through um so I felt this was really important for me to do um not only for myself because I'm really nervous to do this and it's it's outside my comfort zone um but I think it's important that people know other people's journeys and yep. And that's why I'm here, because I, I feel like maybe I don't share as much as I should because I'm trying, quite an introverted person. Um, and although I talk a lot about mental health, um, not a lot of people know my actual story. Okay. So uh, that's yeah. why I'm here. That's brilliant. And, and, you know, I was so happy when you said you would do this podcast recording with me because I, I know a bit of your story, of course, like everybody, you know, who, who reads what you write. Um, but I don't know it all. And that's why I do this is because I want people to hear and see the real people, you know, the real humans behind this. So thank you so much for saying that in your introduction as well. And, <clears throat> and we're going to go into that now. So so the big question then. So your journey with mental health, you define how that looks, you define what you say. Um, and I'm just going to give you the the opportunity to tell people your story um okay so in hindsight when I look back um even upon my childhood I can see that maybe I always was up and down and I I remember times in my childhood when you know it probably wasn't right so I probably was on a roller coaster for you know my childhood and into my teenage years um I think my real journey started when I say I fell pregnant with Ollie. I didn't have any problems at all. 
um, being pregnant. I loved being pregnant. Um, Ollie was a much wanted baby. Um, we couldn't be happier when we discovered I was pregnant. Um, and yeah, I, I can't complain. I, I loved every, every aspect of it. Um, the problems for me started when Ollie was born. <laughs> um, he was very big. He was 10 pound two baby. Um, and I didn't sleep. I had a C-section because obviously 10 pound two baby. I'm, I'm not exactly huge. Uh, so I had a C-section and I didn't sleep for three days after he was born. Um, adrenaline, whatever I put it down to, uh, she started having a, a few hallucinations because I was just so exhausted. Yeah. Um, took Ollie home. Everything was fine. Within a week, we we kind of thought um, something's not quite right here, and he wouldn't stop crying, <laughs> which isn't uncommon for a newborn. Um, but it was it was relentless. Um, it wasn't like we could console him at all, um, and it got to the point where we actually had to go back to the hospital, and. This was a cycle that continued for a, few, a good few months um, in that we kept going back to the hospital because he he couldn't stop. He was just distressed the whole time. Um, and it cut long story short, it turned out he had severe reflux. Um, and in the end, it turned out he had to have um, a special medication to stop any acid forming in his stomach at all. So obviously we were extremely relieved when that got diagnosed. We started him on the medication and thankfully things settled down. Um, so, but in amongst all this happening, I, I put it down to this problem that we had that it was Ollie's reflux. Um, I wasn't getting any sleep at all. I couldn't function. Um, and it was all stuff that I put down to, well, this is what happens when you have a newborn. Right. This is normal. You're not coping with it, but that's normal, right? And it wasn't until I was kind of, I remember being in tears around at my mum's house and watching my mum hold Ollie and I just watched her and I, I couldn't contain myself. And I was like, why can't I love him the way that everyone else seems to be able to? Yeah. Um, and again, ignored it, carried on, you know, as you do, you just bumble along, don't you? And um, I just kept having all these awful feelings. Um, I couldn't cope. I wasn't good enough. I kept having to get help from the grandparents because I couldn't do this. Um, he deserves better than me. I'm not doing it right. I can't do anything right. He's not doing what he should be doing. And it was just a constant, I, I, it was just a black cloud, a constant black cloud over my head and I, I, it wouldn't shift. But again, me being me and being, pig-headed and stubborn and I'm fine I'm fine I'll deal with it it will come together in the end it will be fine it's just a blip I've just got to get over this it will work um and this continued for about a year um 
and it wasn't until the point that things then started to shift um in quite a dark way for me um in that instead of just feeling useless and feeling like i ollie deserved better than me i started to have these really really scary thoughts um and it started sort of if i was holding ollie and i'd walk past if i was upstairs and i'd walk past the the stairway i would have this fleeting thought in my head what if he dropped what if i dropped him and he he went down the stairs um and it it scared me and i i didn't really know what this this thought was so again i just one of those things you know and then these thoughts kept coming and kept coming and everywhere that i was there was this horrific thoughts of if I was in the kitchen, what if something happened in the kitchen? What if I wasn't careful enough? And everywhere, what if I dropped him? What if I fell into the road? And it was an absolute constant nightmare of what I now see was total anxiety in my head that I couldn't escape. And every day I would wake up and um, it would just be how am I going to do this today? How am I going to control these thoughts that keep popping into my head? And I tried everything. I tried just as soon as they were there, try to think of something different, distract yourself. Um, But it seemed the more I tried to distract myself, the more these things kept happening. and, And I was just like, what? what is going on um and of course the thing that scared me the most is I was completely I felt completely trapped because in my head what was happening was I'm becoming mental (laughs) I'm is this how in not not to no disrespect to anyone who has like schizophrenia I don't know enough about it but at that point in my head I thought is this how it starts is this am I gonna flip am I gonna lose control and I think that was a thing that scared me the most is I would lose control and I would not know what was going on and something would happen and to that I was so scared that I thought if I tell anyone, if I even if I I hadn't told Lee about this at all or any a single soul, if I tell anyone, they are going to take my child away from me because I'm not safe to be around. I'm a loose cannon. Something's going to mm-hmm. happen. They'll see if I tell anyone this, they're going to think I'm a bad mum, and social services will be involved. And I, I was just absolutely terrified um so yeah as you can imagine (laughs) at this point in my life not only am I battling with what is what in hindsight was postnatal depression I'd also developed this really strange um thought process and I didn't know what the hell to do about it um I was also obviously having sort of daily panic panic attacks um, that were getting increasingly like out of control. And Lee was obviously noticing um, <clears throat> things weren't 
right he I wouldn't talk to him he couldn't help me um I was just a ball of anxiety and I I just didn't want really to I didn't want to be around anyone and I didn't want anyone to feel like they had to be around me um so I kind of isolated myself a lot um and then it got to the point where in the end I, I did tell Lee and I was so scared because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought he's gonna ship me off to the doctor and you yeah. know that whole terrifying ball of mm. what I thought was going to happen it was going to start happening but in the end I just I I had to tell someone um and so I didn't go to the doctor at first I was again I was too scared so um what I did do was I went to like a um a course of hypnotherapy okay right um which was good um because it made me address a lot of stuff that I probably went through in my childhood um and in my teenage years um and it made me address maybe how obviously secretive I am about my mental health and that's ongoing today like during my teenage years I had a eating disorder but I kept it under control and well enough that no one really knew I was ill um I self-harmed but again I kept it under control and secretive enough that no one really knew that there was an issue and thankfully I've I've worked through those issues but it did help me to talk through a lot of those with the hypnotherapist and um and that helped and then I also went on and I um privately booked some um CBT classes um, to address what was happening and the only saving grace I think that got me to go to those appointments was the fact that it was private and confidential and I knew that whatever I said couldn't leave that room yeah so that's what got me through and it did help Um, however it it didn't stop what was going on in my head um and again, it got to the point where I was like, I'm doing all these things. I'm trying to help myself. And I'm, I'm doing all the things that I'm being told to do that's meant to make this go away or make this manageable. And it just, it just wasn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so in the end, I did go to the doctor. Uh-huh. And they were very good. Um, and nothing bad happened I think that's the main thing that nothing bad happened they didn't call social services they didn't you know lock me up um and what they did do was actually tell me what was going on in my brain okay yeah I think over everything I've been through to actually know this is a thing this isn't this isn't just me this is um this is this is like a medical thing um and what i had been going through for you know over a year was actually called pure o um and it's uh, um it, it's ocd okay yep um and it's basically but it's without the compulsions like we're all told you know washing washing hands and having yep. to do certain things I didn't have any of that 
um, pure O is purely based upon your thought process um, and what's going on in your head. And it's an anxiety based um, thing where I had an awful thought in my head and immediately because that thought was based around my child, um, I was absolutely repulsed and scared by it. And because of that, I then could not stop thinking about what I just thought about could happen. So it's a vicious cycle of, oh my God, I've just thought the worst thing in the world that could happen. Why did I think that? I must, this must be something that I'm going to do. And then it creates a vicious cycle of, Mm. but why did I think that? And then I'd go around again, but I thought it, but why did I think that? And it it just goes round and round and round again. so yeah, um, so yeah, that really helped to know that it was actual a medical diagnosis for it, um, and I was di- I was prescribed Prozac, okay. which can go in from the mental state I was in at that time. That scared the living daylights out of me. Um, not only have I got to deal with this thing that's going on in my brain, but then I've also been told to take this medication. Of course, I went home and I Googled it and I came across every single thing that could possibly happen when you're taking these tablets. I put them to side for six months. And again, I, I was like, no, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not taking anything. I'll deal with this. I can get through this. But really, <laughs> I couldn't. And it was about six months after that appointment with the doctor that I um, took my first Prozac tablet. Yep. Um, and it wasn't a magic pill. Um, and it didn't make it all go away. Um, and it was, I'd say, a good six weeks of just right take it take it take it see what happens see what happens nothing bad happened in those six weeks I just didn't feel any any different and it wasn't until the six week ish mark that I and I remember it and I don't think I'll ever forget it that I took Ollie out for a walk in his buggy and for the very, very first time in, well, since he was born, I remember thinking, today is going to be quite a good day. Today is, today feels different. And it, it just felt like I've done this today. Like I've got up, I've done what I needed to do. I've got us ready and I'm going for a walk like a normal person does with their child and those awful thoughts although still there sometimes I could feel them daily um dissipating like if I had a bad day yeah you they'd be there but it it was it was a lot easier to be able to say oh it's just a thought it's just a thought it's you know it's it's rationalizing that Mm. thought process of yes it's there and okay I've had that thought but nothing is going to happen from it because it's just a thought Um, and be able to just flip them away Um, and yeah from from that point on um, things got better and um, I I was on Prozac then until we obviously decided to um, have Chloe and I stayed on 
Prozac and um, throughout my pregnancy up until the third trimester um, because that's I was obviously in contact with my doctor and that's when they said you know if there's going to be any pass on which they didn't they didn't think happened but if there's going to be any pass on to the child it would be in the third trimester so I stopped the Prozac then um, which was also very scary because I was like yeah of course I stop this and what if it all comes back like maybe this is my magic pill kind of thing yeah. um but it was fine and I had Chloe and I didn't go back on it straight away um uh but with I'd say within three months of having Chloe um this time round I wasn't getting any thoughts um thankfully um yeah. But I, I, I noticed the signs of mm-hmm. slipping, and this isn't this isn't normal behaviour, um, and feeling feeling those feelings that came up with Ollie that I brushed aside before. Um, this time I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going down that dark path again, yeah. and um, I I made the decision then to to re- start retaking my Prozac. um and I actually have stayed on Prozac um up until a year ago um just generally with the ups and downs of of being a mum and having two young children and in hindsight doing a lot of soul searching about my my past and what I went through as a teenager and and knowing that I've probably been on this roller coaster a long time before yeah. I I realized I was actually on it um I just felt I owed it to my children um and to Lee to be on a on an, an even kill and yeah. and just just go with it for now and yeah I came off it a year ago and everything's been fine you know it's okay. not I've not slipped I have good days and bad days yeah. but it's managing them now and I know myself a lot better and I know when I'm doing too much and I know um I know the signs and I know what I need to do to get myself out of them yep. um and I I, I probably think I just know myself a lot better <laughs> um, from going through all of this. I think what's highlighted to me is that I think journey is a good word. I think journey is a brilliant way to describe it because I I, I see it as that. I'm not the same person I was before I had Ollie. Um and I think it's really made me realise that I, no one, no one is exempt from this. I think you get you get these things in your life that happen, yep. and I don't think a strong will or um, a strong mindset has anything to do with it. I think if you're going to be knocked down and the chemicals in your brain don't function the way that they should, there is nothing you can do to run and hide from it. 
And I think that's the main journey for me is that learning that I'm not, I, it's a mentality of, yes, it is a mental illness, but there is far more evidence behind it to show that it's a physical brain impairment yeah. um, where the, the chemicals are not right in my brain at that time um, to be able to function like I was functioning. And I think that's a huge thing that people need to understand is that I don't, if you go to the doctor for a broken arm, you'll fix it. If you go to the doctor and he prescribes you Prozac, oh, yeah, not sure I want to do that. Yeah. And it's a different mindset and it really shouldn't be that way. No. Um, wow. So, yeah. I, thank, you, <laughs> thank you so much on behalf of me and everybody listening and everybody that you've... <laughs> I, you've just told an amazing story, Lou. You you really have. In the, you know, there's so many parts to it. I wish we had a, about two hours for this because it's it. You know, it, we could just ask so many questions around it. What I think is the most amazing thing, of course, is is your acceptance of what you've been through and recognizing when things change that you might need to address them, which I think is such a relevant point. You've made so many important messages in there. I'm sure people will pick that apart in the, you know, they'll pick, pick this piece up and go, oh my God, I should have done this sooner or I should have, you know, recognized this sign. And, and the challenge we have, and I think you all, and well, I don't want to put words in your mouth is when you're going through it, you don't think that way. You really don't have that rational thought of, well, if I tell somebody it'll be all right, you have a, you, you're always thinking negatively, aren't you? And the anxiety, like you say, with Puro, it's, you know, it's it really is very intrusive. There's no escaping it. You can't just sort of switch it off with a, oh, yeah, it'll be fine, which is yeah. one of the biggest stigmas we have around mental health issues is, you know, using these thoughts of, oh, you'll be fine. It'll be OK. Take a couple of happy pills and, you know, cheer up. You'll be all right. Oh my gosh, honestly, you're, I, I, I just love your story. I love what you've said and, and it doesn't make you, it makes you a better person for saying that out loud. It really does. Well, I think it's important because I think what I didn't add was when I was um, really going through it, I think the, the one thing that I was desperate for was to know that I wasn't the only one but there must be, surely there's someone out there who's going through what I'm going through. And I remember there was one, I stumbled across one TV show, I think it was on Discovery Channel. Um, a, a woman did have a, a similar experience to what I was feeling and I recorded it. And I must have watched that episode, I couldn't tell you how many times. Right because it just made me feel like I was just that little bit less alone yeah. and that is my reason for doing this because I thought yeah I went through this and this is my journey but if there is another person who is out there feeling what I was feeling and didn't know what was happening and didn't know what all these things were they were feeling if they could see this and know that <clears throat> oh my god you know there's there's someone out there that's that's been through it and hopefully come through the other side it might help someone and I think that's that's why I needed to actually not just touch on mental health but I think my story is um is not very well known and I don't know anyone else personally who's been through this so if I can help just one person yep 
you know, then that's why I needed to do it. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. And you know what? You will. You will. At some point, it might not be tomorrow. It might not be in a week, but it will. At some point, somebody will pick it up and they will see it and it will help to connect them to to others. And you're right, isn't it? It's just we struggle with that. And and these stories that we're telling through the podcast itself, they're unique to the individual, but they connect in so many ways to so many people. So, oh my gosh, huge thank you for you sharing that. And um, yeah, there could be a million other things. So I'm just going to say the thank you bit and then I'm going to let you say the final words because I, I just want you to sort of just put that message across just one final time to people, what they should do, how they should do it. You know, I don't know if you'd be open if anybody did want to talk to you about your experience to try and sort of share and and maybe see, you know, if, if there's anything you can give them that can support them. Um, but thank you really just want to say a huge thank you to you Lou I know um, you're a bit, bit anxious about doing this as you know many people are because it is I know I saw I could see as well <laughs> doesn't mean anything to people listening but you you do have a little, bit, a little bit of a red blotch on your neck but that's a sign of anxiety which is perfectly normal we all have it and and sometimes our body decides to show the world it and you know so yeah. so thank you <laughs> and, and thank you so much for doing this I really genuinely feel that way final words for you go for it what, what would you like to say just thank you really um again it's not something i talk about a lot um quite an introverted person myself so yeah. this has been like therapy for me okay cool. um and again if anyone anyone wants to get in touch with me um to to talk um I'm always, I always say it on my Facebook, you know, if there's anything that I can help, even if it's just to listen, I don't even need to comment or, you know, try and help. If, if you just need someone to listen, uh, I, I'm happy to be that person. Brilliant stuff, Lou. Thank you so much. And for anybody that is listening, of course, we have touched on some some pretty difficult subjects today, you know, and experiences that Lou's been through. I didn't do much of the talking, which is perfect because that's exactly what it is about. It's your story. Um, but if anybody is struggling, if you do need extra help and support, know there are always people out there. I'm available. Lou's obviously opened herself to be available for anybody that wants to talk about these topic these topics. Samaritans exist today for exactly that reason to have a safe space to know you can talk in confidence about what's going on if you've got those thoughts in your head if you've got those things that you're really worried about or start to sort of take over your thoughts reach out there is somebody who cares there's somebody always there samaritans free to call 116123 you can also text if you're into texting or messaging to shout 85258 so please know somebody's always there we always want to be there for for those people that are struggling so lou thank you so much uh we're done that's half an hour down so it's been lovely lovely to see you take care thank you